Very good. Turn, if you would, this morning to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Never heard that song before, but I appreciate the message of that. It's good. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it is good to uh, be reminded of our need of prayer, and Lord, we know that, and yet sometimes we lose sight of it. So thank you for the message and song that we just heard. Lord, thank you for the time we've had already together in the Sunday school hour and how we were uh, challenged and helped in those uh, moments. And Lord, we ask that you would do it again right now, that you would meet with us, that you would make your word alive to us, and that we would see where uh, we could use it, uh, maybe even this week in our personal lives. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we began looking at chapter 10, and we noticed in verse number 1 that Solomon made this point very clear that you and I have very fragile testimonies. You and I have very fragile reputations, and what we work hard to establish, what we work hard to build, it can all be torn down very quickly and many times by something very simple, something that we would not think is too significant. And so last week I tried to encourage us and I tried to challenge us to be very protective of our testimony, to take it very serious, because once a testimony is ruined, it can be so difficult to get it back. And so that's what we talked about or dealt with last week. This morning, moving on, I want us to think about something that I think all of us have been a part of at least one time in our lives, and that would be this, some kind of a competition where a winner and a loser is determined. We've all been in a situation like that at least one time, have we not? Where at the end of this competition, there is going to be a winner and a loser declared. So it could be something as simple as a high school sporting event. It could be something as silly as an activity at the church with a group of people where a game is being played. At the end of it, there is a winner and there is a loser. That in mind, I want us to think about this truth as well. And you know this, but I just want us to think about this. That in a situation where a competition is involved and one wins and one loses, there is a right way and a wrong way, a correct manner or an incorrect manner in which to respond regardless of whether or not you are the winner or the loser. Would you agree with this? See, if you're the winner, this would be the right response. To stay humble, to stay polite, to be kind and to be gracious this would be the wrong way to win. To taunt, to trash talk, to rub it in, to irritate people. You understand this, right? You're the winner. You're the one who's been victorious. So there's a very simple truth here. There's a right way to respond as the winner, and there's a wrong way to respond as the winner. If by chance in the midst of this competition you are or I am the loser, there is still a right way and a wrong way to respond. If you're the loser in this situation, the right way to respond would be this, to congratulate the winner and to do so sincerely. To be kind, 
to be gracious, and to just be a decent individual. The wrong way would be this, to get angry, to pout, or to blame something else. And we've all seen that, have we not? And maybe some of us have been guilty of that. As a result of losing, we didn't really handle it too well. We got angry. We pouted. We blamed someone else. And we couldn't show some decency to the one who was actually victorious in that particular competition. You understand this principle, do you not? That in this situation, that in this arena of life, if there's a competition, one wins and one loses Regardless of which one you are, there is a right way and there is a wrong way to respond. And while that is true, here's what we know. So few people think about what their response really ought to be. So few people in a moment like that, they they are so driven by their emotions that they don't even think about how they should respond in a situation like that. I'm the winner, and because of my excitement, because of my, my wanting to rub it in, whatever it may be, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And, and so many times when people lose, they don't think about their reaction. They don't think about their response. They don't think about how it will be construed by other people. They just respond according to emotions. And, and so as a result, here's what happens more times than not. Most often, people respond incorrectly in that situation. Because again, they're just not thinking about it. This is what makes sense to me. This is what I want to do. Maybe this is how I was taught. Maybe this is what the example was before me whenever I was younger. We've all seen people, and we've probably all been the person who responded incorrectly. And let's be honest, when we see it happen in another person's life, most of us are kind of turned off by it, aren't we? Okay, so you won. Get over it. You've also lost before. Okay, you lost. I understand you don't like to lose, but I mean, come on. You can, you can lose a little bit more graciously than this. It's kind of, oh, I don't know, just kind of upsetting sometimes to see the way people respond incorrectly in a situation like that. Now, this morning we're going to deal with that principle in a couple of moments, but we're going to look at just one verse of Scripture today. It's a verse of Scripture that I've, I've never given any attention to. I've never given it any thought, and, and it was very interesting to me this week. I, I hope it's a help to you. I don't know if you'll need it this week. I don't know if you'll need it in a month. You may not ever need it, but I bet we will. So this morning I want us to look in verse number 4. And if you notice in the, ver- in the first part of the verse, here's what Solomon says. He says, if the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee. If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee. So we notice in verse number four that Solomon is speaking of a ruler. And I think most of us know what is being talked about whenever Solomon references a ruler. He is referencing someone who is in a position of power or a position of authority. Now, I know that their culture was different than our culture. Their day is certainly different than our day. But every one of us understand, do we not, that though we call them different things, there are still very much people in our lives who are rulers. 
in our lives. They are people who are in positions of power. They are people who are in positions of authority. And many of you, as I've said on many of occasions, you would serve or act in the role of a ruler in the lives of other people. You have a certain measure of power over their lives. You have a certain measure of power or authority over their lives. And so Every one of us, we are subject to the power and the authority of other people. And some of us, for whatever reason, God has allowed us to serve as a source of power and authority in the lives of others. Now, as we understand what Solomon is talking about here in verse number 4, he said in that statement, if the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee. So what does it mean whenever Solomon speaks of the spirit? Well, it means this, or it's a reference to the disposition of the ruler or the disposition of the one who is in power or who has authority. And more specifically, here's what we're going to see in the next couple of moments, that whenever Solomon references the spirit or the disposition of the ruler, he is speaking of the anger of the ruler. What does that mean then? It means this, that sometimes people in authority get angry. Sometimes people who are in positions of power, they become angry. Their disposition is not passive. Their disposition is not, you know, understanding at that particular moment. Whatever you'd like to call it, however you'd like to define it, there are times and there are occasions where those who are in positions of authority, they grow angry. Now, obviously, there could be many things that cause a ruler to have their disposition changed, correct? But again, as we'll see in the next couple of moments, here is what Solomon is referencing. Solomon is referencing the fact that a ruler, at times, his disposition changes because of the offenses of someone else. Well, what would an offense be? Well, an offense would be a wrongdoing, something that took place that was not right. It could even be a sin against someone else. So Solomon says that it is possible for the spirit of a ruler, the disposition of the ruler, to become angry at someone as a result of the offense or the wrongdoing of someone else. And notice what it says in the last part of verse number 4. It says, great offenses. So whenever Solomon said great offenses, he is not talking about something that we might call a minor infraction. He's not talking about something that you might just kind of nod your head at and say, ah, whatever. No, this is something that is great. This is something that is significant. This is something that you and I would say that was serious. So if we keep all this in Line, if we keep all this in view, here is what we've got. Solomon referencing a ruler who is now angry because someone has done something they ought not do. That is certainly a motivation for people to get angry today, right? If you've ever been in a position of authority, if you've ever been in a position of power over someone else and you told them to do something and they didn't do it, you know that it can upset you, correct? Okay, if you've ever been in a position of authority, if you've ever been in a position of power, and someone just does something, not that you told them not to do it, but they knew better, they knew they ought not be doing it, and they did it anyways, that certainly can make you angry, can't it? 
I know for myself it can certainly make me angry. You know, you know better than this. Why are we doing this? Hey, kids, you know that me and mom don't approve of this. Why is it that you did that? It is so true that whenever we are in positions of authority, leadership, power, whatever you want to call it, and people do things that offend us, it is easy for us to be angry as a result of their actions. So if we think about that for just a moment, consider this as being at least a possibility. I know for some you'll be like, no, not no, just not possible. That may be, okay? But consider this as a possibility. That just as we have authority over certain people, knowing that there are others who have authority over us, it is possible for you and I to make some people mad by doing things that we should not have done. No. Yes. There have been times and there have been moments and there have been occasions where, as hard as this may be for us to believe, it is us who made someone else mad because we didn't do what we were told to do or we did something that we should have known better as to not to do it. And, and so it has been us who has been the one who has caused the spirit of someone else to change toward us. Now, as Solomon talks about that and as Solomon addresses this, I want us to think about this truth, and we'll look at it again in just a couple of moments, but I want us to think about this. Here is what Solomon is about to do. When the spirit of the ruler has changed because of the great offense of someone else, Solomon is going to say, there is a right way and a wrong way to respond. Let's listen. In this moment where the spirit of the ruler has changed, as a result of a great offense, this is what you do. This is how you respond. Now, if I didn't know better, here's what I would think Solomon was about to do. Solomon would soon be referencing the ruler saying, here's how you respond. Because Lord only knows how much help I need by way of reminder as to how I should respond when someone has angered me. You ever been there? Somebody made you angry and you knew you didn't respond correctly? So I, I would think, and for me it would make sense, if Solomon said, okay, now when the spirit of the ruler changes as a result of a great offense, ruler, here's how you need to respond. This is the right way to respond. Here's what you need to be doing. But oddly enough, in verse number 4, Solomon is not going to reference the one who has been offended, who has been wronged, but he is going to address the one who has done the offending and the one who has done wrong. And he's going to say in a situation like this, in a moment like this, in an environment like this, here is what you do. This is how you respond. This is the right way. So in turn, the opposite would be true and the opposite would be the wrong way in which to respond. So what does Solomon say? 
He said, if the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place. If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place. What does it mean to leave thy place? It means this, to abandon your post. To abandon your post. Well, what does it mean to abandon your post? It means this, to leave where you're supposed to be. Okay, if this is where you're supposed to be, if, if this is where you've been given instruction, this is where you're supposed to be, Solomon said, if the spirit of the ruler rise up against you, don't abandon your post, don't leave where you're supposed to be. Now, why would Solomon give instruction of this nature? Well, let's think about this for just a moment. Just as in the midst of a competition, when the winner is determined and the loser is determined, and most people don't really think about what their response should be, let's be honest, many times when a person has done something wrong and they have been offended, or they have offended someone by what they have done, many times people do not think about what their response as the offender should be. And because they don't think about what their response should be, they many times respond in a way that is not appropriate. So Solomon said, if the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, don't abandon your post, don't leave your place, don't turn your tail and run. You stick it out, big boy. <laughs> You're the one who made the offense. You're the one who did wrong. You are the one who was not right in this situation. So now you've made somebody upset. Well, your response is not, okay, well, I've made them upset, so I'm going to turn and I'm going to run and I'm going to abandon my post. No, you stay in your spot. You don't move. You don't get to leave just because you made someone mad. I want us to... Think about just some very realistic situations and realistic scenarios. I have seen this, and I'm sure some of you have seen this, that there have been people who have created messes, and rather than standing up and admitting the messes they have made, they in their, their scaredness, in their fear, or in their cowardness, whatever it is, they have abandoned the very place they should have been and still need to be. I've watched people quit jobs because it was easier to quit a job than to just stay there and face the music. Come on. It's happened. The employee, they did something dumb. They did something stupid. They did something that was just a total knucklehead move. I mean, there's no other way you could describe it. They just, they did something that was just 
pathetic. It was ridiculous. And, and rather than them just confessing it and owning it and saying, you know what, I am responsible for this mess, this mess. No, here's what they do. They'd rather quit and run from the problem they've created. Solomon says that's not the right response. You may have watched something like this take place at some point. I know that I've witnessed it. People who would rather avoid family because of their failures or their mistakes or their sins, their offenses, whatever it may be, they would rather avoid family and not be where they need to be than to just own up to the mistakes they've made and just admit it was me. Yeah, the family's getting together, but man, I was a jerk and, and I did, you know, I did something stupid and I know that I made certain people mad. So as a result of that, rather than, than, than just facing the music, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run and I am going to abandon my post. I, I will not be where I'm supposed to be. Have you ever seen this happen? Some of you are looking at me like I'm, I'm out in left field by myself. I, I'm just saying there are so many people who don't, want to, to, who don't want to own up to the mess that they have created. And Solomon says when the anger or when the spirit of the ruler is against you, rises up against you in anger, you do not leave where you're supposed to be. I've watched this happen over the years. A church member does something stupid. A church member does something dumb. And as a result of what they've done, they know that they've upset people. They know that they've offended people. And as a result of that, here's what happens. The old pride kicks in and the old ego kicks in. And so here's what they'd do. They'd like to save as much face as possible. So they would rather leave the church that they've been a part of than to just step forward and say, I made this mess and I'm going to own it and I'm not going anywhere. Friendships have been completely dissolved because somebody did something wrong and rather than just admitting it and confessing it and owning up to it, it was easier to just leave and say, you know what? It's too hard to stick around. I don't like this. It makes me feel uncomfortable. And Solomon said in verse number four, if the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, Leave not thy place. Let's be honest, that's hard to do, isn't it? Because that goes against our flesh. What does our flesh say? Our flesh says, run! Whatever shred of self-worth and dignity you've got left right now, preserve it! Go someplace where people don't know you. Go someplace where people don't know the context. Go someplace where you don't have to tell anyone about your past. Isn't that what our flesh does? Our flesh says you fouled up and these people are sick of you. These people don't want anything to do with you. These people are mad at you. Why don't you just turn, tell, and run? Isn't that what our flesh wants to do more times than not? Of course it is. It's 
what our flesh wants to do, but it's the wrong response. Solomon said the right response is this. You do not abandon your post. You don't run. You don't leave. You don't try to get away. You don't try to escape. You you don't try to save face and go someplace else. No, you stay right where you're at. It really is that simple. And notice what Solomon said next. He said, if the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place. For yielding pacifieth great offenses. For yielding pacifieth great offenses. What does it mean to yield? It means this, to remain calm. Or to keep one's composure. Can we be transparent this morning for just a moment and see if this sounds anything like has ever happened to us? You've done something wrong, or I've done something wrong, and we knew it was wrong, right? And as a result of whatever we've done, it was a great offense against someone else. Maybe it was a spouse, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a church member, whatever it was. Follow this. We've done something wrong. Take just a minute. We've done something wrong. We've offended them. Now they're angry. Many times, what do we then do? We respond according to our emotions. Have we ever been there? I did something dumb. You're mad. Now I'm mad that you're mad that I did something dumb. It's usually how good ones get started, right? Because rather than just saying, you know what, I totally fouled up and you have every reason to be upset right now, you have every reason to be mad right now, many times we don't respond correctly because we're not thinking about our response. So as a result of not thinking correctly about our response, we get emotional, and as a result of getting emotional, we do not remain calm and we do not maintain our composure. And so what happens? It only escalates and it only gets that much worse with the one who we've offended with our actions. Now what Solomon said is this, is whenever the spirit of the ruler riseth up against thee, leave not thy post. Listen, you don't abandon. You don't turn and run. You don't move from where you're supposed to be. For this reason, he said the yielding, the keeping calm, the maintaining your composure, here's what it will do, is it will pacify the great offense. Here's what will happen if you will just respond correctly in the midst of your offense against this person. If you will admit that you are the one who has failed and done the, the, done the offending in this matter, Here is what can happen. The offense, the wrong that took place, listen, that can be pacified and it can be dealt with and it can be reconciled and you can move on and the relationship be sustained and maintained and it it doesn't have to come to an end. 
But see, reconciliation can't take place when a person runs. Is Solomon telling the truth that yielding does pacify great offenses? You may argue this, but I would say I've certainly seen it happen. And many of you have as well, if you're paying attention. I mean, let's just be honest. Sometimes in our marriage, we do something and it's dumb. Some of you are just like, yeah, I don't do anything wrong. I've never offended anybody. This ain't what this verse is talking about. Okay, what's it talking about then, big boy? We've all made some people mad. You know, she ain't my ruler. <laughs> she may not be your ruler, but she can rule over you in certain ways. Amen. She doesn't have to salt the food. <laughs> she doesn't have to make the food. Think about this. We've seen it work. <sighs> Honey, babe, I, oh, I'm sorry. That was, that was dumb of me. She still wants to whack you. Now, if you get mad and you defend your actions and you take off and you're going to go do your own thing, on, you know, you're defensive of what you've done and yet you're going to leave the room and you're going to abandon your post, guess what? You come inside and it's going to be pretty cold inside. We've been there, haven't we? Any honest married person has been there. Okay, now, now think about this. You and I do wrong and we admit it. And we don't lose our cool, and we say, you know what, babe, you're right. I, I was a jerk. I shouldn't have done that. I am so sorry. I'm asking you to forgive me. Listen, you may still need to give her a few moments to come down from the anger, but I can promise you this. If you handle it correctly, men, if I handle it correctly at my house, here's what it'll do. It'll pacify the great offense. But see, so many times we don't respond correctly, so therefore, as a result of not responding correctly, it just escalates and elevates the problem that we're the ones who are responsible for in the first place. Listen, if we've done something to offend a friend, if we've done something that has wronged them, if we've done something that has, has angered them, there is a right way and there is a wrong way to respond in the midst of this. And the right way is for us to go to them and say, listen, I am sorry, I am apologetic, I'm not going to make any excuses. I'm not going to sit here and try to blame this, 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 or this. I'm certainly not going to try to blame you. Listen, I understand if you're mad at me. I understand if you're upset. I get it. But I just want you to know I'm sorry and I'm not going anywhere. I'm telling you, it may take a little bit of time for that person to get over the frustration, but if you don't abandon them, the offense will be smoothed over at some point. So many times people never experience that because they do the normal thing, the natural thing, and they run. Whenever you just step up and say, you know what, it's my fault and I'm not going to respond emotionally in this. I'm going to, to keep my composure and I'm going to maintain my spirit right now and, and I'm just going to admit it was me and I'm not going to look for anything else to blame. I'm telling you there are examples all around us of people who have done it the right way and in time the great offense, whatever it was, it was pacified. It can be pacified. 
But there has to be a right response, not just on the one who has been offended, but on the part of the one who has done the offending. And so this morning, you may say, well, it's not the ruler that's upset or, or the person in charge of authority over me. Okay, plug in whoever it may be. Ask yourself a very simple question this morning. Is there anyone Is there anyone in our lives that we know Let's listen. Is there anyone in our lives that we know we did not respond correctly to? We know we're the ones who did wrong in that situation. We didn't keep our calm. We lost our composure. And we're the ones who, rather than just admitting, man, I failed. We did the exact opposite of what we should have done. It was just easier to remove ourselves from the situation. It was just easier to say, you know what, I'm not going to make them and myself feel uncomfortable anymore. I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to leave my post, so to speak. I'm just going to remove myself from that situation. Is there any situation like that in your life where you know, if you'd just be honest, the reason that things have never been made right is not because the offense was so great, but because you never handled it or addressed it the way you should have? See, not all of us are as perfect as we'd like to think. And it may be that, you know, right now the Holy Spirit is saying, you know, there's this relationship with this individual. You know you were wrong. It was you that made the mistake. But in the midst of that, you didn't respond correctly You thought it'd be easier to run, and that's why the relationship isn't what it's supposed to be. Can I just challenge you, and can I challenge myself to be reminded of this very simple truth, that when we do wrong, if we really want things to be restored, if we want things to be pacified, if we want things to be made right, we have to step up, take ownership of what we've done, not blame anyone else, not blame anything else, not let our emotions control us. Just say, you know what? I'm the one who failed. I'm the one who messed up. I'm sorry. And I'm going to make this right as best I can. Is there anyone that maybe if you'd be honest, you'd say, yeah, it's, it's, I could have handled things a lot better. You may not be able to go back and fix that one. You may not be able to go back and address that one. Too much water may be under the bridge by now for that particular relationship. But I'm just saying there's a good chance that we'll need this in the future because there's a good chance that in the future we'll be the source of offense in someone else's life. And it's really not all dependent upon the other person to make the relationship what it needs to be. Sometimes we as the offender need to just say, I'm sorry, it was me, stop making excuses, and just keep on sticking around because you know that running will not fix anything. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer.
Fathers, I come to you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help today in this message for us to consider, Lord, the number of times that we've been an offense to someone else. And Lord, to see if we've really handled it the way that we're supposed to, if we've responded the way that we should. God, it is our flesh and it is our nature, it is our tendency. Even when we're the one who has failed, it is our nature to want to lose control of our emotions and try to blame other people and just not take responsibility. God, I pray that today you'd help us to be men and women who take ownership of what we've done, to not leave just because that's the easiest thing to do, but to stay and let your grace and your mercy pacify and resolve the conflict that's been created. I pray that you'd bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.